Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Ask the Coach Show, episode 105. This is the show where Pink Seals answers your table tennis questions. Today, we're introducing a new segment called Player of the Week. And to kick things off, we'll discuss the recent German Open winner, Mima Ito. We'll also talk about some questions and discuss physical exercises you can do to improve your footwork, which strokes when mastered will really boost your overall level, whether the ball can hit the handle in a rally, and how simplifying your game can yield big results. As always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Morning, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, you're sounding a little bit tired this morning. What's going on? Um, yes, I am a little bit tired, Alois. I was up late watching the cricket go the Aussies big semi-final win over India. It was it was a bit tense for a while, but um, we ended up winning by quite a margin. But you know, with the players like Dhoni uh, and Coley, and I mean, he's got such a great batting lineup. You just never know. Um, if they're just going to come back and take the match away from you. So I was on the edge of my seat most of the night. Ah, uh, yes, I was stressed. Were you lots, lots of tension and anxiety? Were you doing your breathing, Jeffrey? Um, sometimes. <laughs> A few deep breaths along the way, yes. <laughs> Good. Good. Oh, dear. But, um, yes, yeah, so we're into the final on Sunday against the Kiwis, against New Zealand. So um, looking forward to that match. We lost to them in the group stage, so it'll be interesting to see if we can turn that result around. Yes. All right, Alois, so um, we're introducing a new segment called Player of the Week, and we're talking about recent German Open winner Mima Ito. Yeah, so Mima Ito, we were lucky enough to see her last year when she was all of 13 years old. at the Australian Open, we were able to commentate on her match with Feng Tianwei. Um, so she's now 14 years old, 15 in October. Um, been playing on the World Tour uh, for about four years, three or four years now, um, so or three years. So she's already had a lot of experience under her belt. Um, at age 10, Mima Ito won a match at the Jap- Japanese uh, Senior Championship, so she was the youngest person ever to do that. Um, but then she was also, um, the next year, was the youngest person to, um, what did she do next year? I don't know. She's, she's just been the youngest to do so much um, recently. But um, at the um, at, in when she was 11, um, yeah, she... Uh, won a junior circuit tournament, you know, at age 11, which is just incredible, you know, like playing against players that are like six, seven years older than her. Um, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, and at age 11, she also beat a player ranked in the top 50 in the world. Like, um, you know, I, it, it just blows my mind um, to see these, these young players um, able to do things like that. And then I suppose... Last year at the um, at the Australian Open, we were lucky enough to see her um, reach the semi-final of the Australian Open, which was her first semi-final in a World Tour event. Um, and now, you know, the big breakthrough, winning the um, the German Open this year at age 14. Like, have a think back, guys. Have a think back to when you were 14 and you know, some of the young players who might be 14 out there. Think about yourself or think about when you were 14 going out and playing um, a world tour final um, 
I, I think it's just absolutely incredible. You know, like at 14, we're still, you know, mainly developing our games and developing our mind and so much happening in the world um, at 14 years old. So, uh, yeah, really, really, really incredible. So um, from the, the Spinified website, which, um, which Jeff's um, developed, it also tells us a few interesting things. So this year, um, in 2015, in the under-21 events, she's got a 5-2 winning record, whereas in the open event, events, she's got an 8-1 winning record. So, yeah, a little bit of an imbalance there, you know, actually performing better in the open events than in the um, in the junior events or in the under twenty one events, Jeff. Yeah. So, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, that is very interesting, Alois. Um, and so, in her career, she's won one under twenty one title and one senior title now. But this year, yeah, just winning the senior title, but did not win the under twenty ones at the German Open. So, I guess it shows you, I don't know, that the levels are still, you know, can be up and down, like. Or that the under 21s are all very good, it's, and it's easy to lose a match in table tennis. You have to be right on your game every time, otherwise you you are going to lose. Um, the yeah, other so, interesting, oh sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So in the final of the German Open, she actually played the winner of the under 21 event, uh, Patricia Solia. So you know, so uh, I mean, we can talk a lot about Patricia as well, but um, yeah, I mean, it's great to see this batch of young players and how how committed and how good they are at the game already. Yeah, and one thing that impresses me with uh, Mima is if you look at in the Pro Tours, which the Spinified website has, it shows that against top 10 ranked players in her career, she's won two and lost three. And I think for a 14-year-old, that's a pretty good record that she can actually start to beat top 10 players in the world. Like it, like you were saying, for 14, it's incredible. A lot of players, you look and they never beat the top 10 players. But here already, at her age, she's nearly 50% against top 10 players in the world. Um, yeah, so look, looking at her attitude on the court, it sort of reflects that a little bit. You know, like she's very confident in herself um, and you can see that she truly believes that she should be winning each of the points, you know, like... She's disappointed when she's when she loses a point. She's disappointed when she, um, uh, you know, makes a simple mistake or a mistake that to her uh, looks simple. So yeah, it, it, just her attitude on the court, you know, it sort of really uh, exudes um, confidence and you know and and a winning attitude um, as well. And I think that probably goes a long way. You know, at fourteen, again, you know, when you're playing the people that are in the top 10 in the world, you know, most people would be just totally overawed. But she looks like she goes out there with a really positive attitude that, and, and a real belief that she can um, match it or, or win points or, you know, win matches against them. So, so that, that certainly has to go a long way. Yeah, indeed. Now, what can we expect from her at the upcoming Worlds, Alice? Because like we said, she's got the ability to beat some top 10 players in the world. But then again, as you can see in the under-21 results, there's still a lot of players that can beat her. So it still could be difficult for her to progress a long way at the Worlds. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think at the Worlds, anything could happen. Um, and, you know, being so young, there is that um, variation in, um, in level um, that's still happening. So, you know, just looking at her style a little bit, so she, she plays um, really close to the table. She's got... Um, inverted rubber on her forehand and short pimples on the backhand. 
um, and plays a very exact um, style or very low margin style. So quite flat on both the forehand and obviously on the backhand with the short pimples. So, you know, that will account for um, the variation in the level as well. So it's hard to, it's hard to um, be exact and right on the ball every single time when you're playing that flat. So her forehand is very flat, so she... Um, so she almost um, she almost slaps at the ball a little bit uh, with her forehand. I mean, she's still putting topspin on the ball, but but there's a lot of this um, forward backward motion with her with her wrist. So it isn't really much or, or as much of this action, but it's a lot of forward backward um, motion to generate that that real flat speed on the ball as well. Um, so again, um, you know, low margin. A variation in results, um, you know, using short pimples on the backhand. Um, we saw at the German Open, like she was the winner, but the the ball that I think she has a lot of problems with is the heavier spin ball, um, and not necessarily the fast ball. I think you know, if you try and play fast to her, she's really strong. Um, she she's able to match it fast. So the the one or there's two things, main things I see. One is just dealing with that um, heavy spin, um, and just learning to just get that exactly right. Um, and again, that's just more and more experience at that top level. Um, and the second thing is because she is quite short, and I don't know how much more she's going to grow. I don't know her her parents' background and that sort of thing. But um, because she is so short. She does get exposed when they start to play really wide out to the wings as well. So um, we saw uh, Feng Chen Wei when we we saw her play player at the Australian Open last year exposed that, um, and Patricia Solia as well was able to sometimes expose that uh, the wide ball, um, especially wide on her backhand side. You know, after she stretches there, then uh, getting getting her back on on the wide backhand side. So, you know, certainly the top Chinese players are going to exploit exploit those sort of things. You know, Ding Ying, Ding Ning, um, I think, um, with her heavy top spin uh, would certainly uh, be a, the type of ball that um, Mimi Ito won't necessarily feel comfortable against. But, I mean, no one does feel comfortable against Ding Ning, of course. But, um, yeah, so, so, I mean, there's still lots of development that, that, that's going to happen. She's 14 years old. Um, at the Worlds, who knows? I mean, it would be so exciting to just see her progress through and see how far she can get. Uh, but let's not put too much uh, pressure on Mima Ito right now to uh, to win a World Championships. Indeed, indeed. Well, that's um, some interesting information. I'll put a link in the show notes to the Spinified website where you can see the profile we've set up on Mima Ito and a lot of interesting statistics on her results at the Pro Tours. Um, and also, yeah, let us know what you think of the uh, Player of the Week segment. So uh, go to pingskills.com, click on the blog link, you'll find all the show notes, and leave a comment to let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you think. All right, Alois. Um, let's move on to yesterday's Pingskillers question of the day, which was, what other sports do you enjoy playing? So what do you like to do, Alois? Um, I suppose racket sports are you know, the sports that I enjoy playing just because you know it, it relates a little bit to table tennis. So I love playing tennis. Um, used to enjoy playing badminton, Jeff, but Jeff and I played badminton 
a few times, quite a few years ago, and I did my Achilles, and I've never been the same ever since. So I don't know whether I should blame you, Jeff, but um, <laughs> maybe. Oh, you, you! I remember you were beating me to start with, and I was getting annoyed. So I was trying to, you know, get you back deep and then short and really move you all around the court, and then you did your Achilles. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was my excuse anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I do, I, yeah, I do enjoy um, playing a lot of racket sports, and um, and now I suppose um, as far as watching, I, I'm quite enjoying um, soccer or football now. I suppose because my son's into it, so uh, yeah, I do enjoy um, watching watching football now. There you go. Yeah, um, I like all sports. Alloys, you know, cricket. Obviously, the World Cup on now um, is great. Uh, football and. Aussie rules football, I like watching that. Um, but yeah, playing anything, you know, darts, snooker, I like it all. It's all good fun. But, yeah, so you, being originally from up uh, a little bit north of Melbourne, you know, uh, from the ACT, and and I suppose a little bit more um, what we call rugby play, played there, or oh, sorry, league, league played yeah, up there. Yeah, well, it's rugby union and rugby league. So yeah, I used to play rugby league when I was a junior. Yep. It's a yeah. good game too, but it's a very physical game though, so not for everyone. Yeah, I know, because Jeff used to actually pick me up sometimes and tackle me and throw me to the ground. I, I remember it well. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Now now I'm too old for all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably too heavy. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. All right, well, that brings us on to the Ping Skillers question for today, which is, do you like playing in cold or hot weather? So jump onto the website, pingskills.com, and leave a comment to let us know. Do you like playing in cold or hot weather? All right, Alois, let's talk about some questions. First up, Adita was talking about Swedish training. Can we just talk a bit about what he termed Swedish training? Yes, yes. So that was uh, interesting from yesterday. So we talked about the question yesterday, but then... Um, I went back to the Ask the Coach section and um, Dita had put on um, a little bit more of an explanation. So it's it, it's good and I actually tried it out yesterday, Dita. Um, so Swedish training is um, where you're doing it it's like a consistency drill, but you're trying to get to 100 balls on the table. Um, but each time you make a mistake, you go back by 10. Um so, yeah, so you might get up to 20 and you, you make a mistake, so you go back to 10 and then you keep going and try to get up to 100. And uh, what I did yesterday was I had a bit of a competition between all the, all the tables um, to see who, which table reached the 100 first. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting and, and worked really well. Um, so the Swedish training. Um, it, I mean, you can, you can vary that a lot. You can, you know, make it up to the first one to get to 50 with, you know, five... Uh, points off when you make a mistake or, or whatever you want. Um, and you can do it with different strokes. You can do it even with your footwork drills. Um, so, yeah, interesting interesting way to to keep um, the players focused or to keep yourself focused um, with your training and focus a little bit more on consistency um, rather than speed. So, yeah, thanks, Dita. Yes, interesting. All right. Um, Daniel has asked a question. He says, what are some physical exercises that one could do to improve your footwork. Are jump ropes any good? Yeah, so, so yeah, jump ropes or skipping is um, is good for your for your footwork. You know, work working your toes, your calves, um, those sort of muscles a lot. Um, yeah, footwork itself um, 
is is good. Um, by doing repetitive footwork and staying low, you're going to start to improve um, this this the explosive ability in your legs. But also, I mean, just things like weight training um, are good to actually increase the strength um, in your in your leg muscles. Um, so the strength in your leg muscles will then uh, be able to translate to um, power uh, once you develop the speed and the strength. So so weight training is good. So if you don't do that, these sort of things, it's probably best if you go to um, a professional, you know, go to a gym, um, talk to them about your requirements um, in your in table tennis and um, just explain to them. So they might not have a background in table tennis. Explain to them the movements, show them the movements that you're trying to um, replicate or to get better at and they'll be able to give you some guidance. And I think that's a really good way to improve your footwork and to improve your um, your abilities in that area too. Excellent. That's some good suggestions. Hopefully that helps you out, Daniel. All right, next question is from Dakota Alloys and says, when does a strong pushing ability stop being enough? I've reached the point where a weak looping ability off backspin is by the far largest factor separating myself and the best guys at my club. So what point is the flick the next jump up in skill? Yeah, so yeah, a few different things there, Dakota. So, so firstly, being able to push is vital, critical, um, but being able to, be, to push the ball short mainly is, is important. So being able to keep that ball tight on the table or tight close to the net um, is important with your pushing. Um, being able to top spin off the backspin is is critical as well, um, but more off the longer ball. So if the ball comes longer, then you want to be able to get get in there and play the top spin ball off backspin. I mean, we, we've talked about this you know, a little bit yesterday, but also a little while ago. So that is such a crucial shot in table tennis. Being able to convert from the backspin, from the defensive to the attacking, is um, almost you know um, one of the one of the most important factors in a match situation of the winner of the match. You know, the person that is able to make that first attack um, often is the person that um, will will win the rally or win the match. So so that is a big area and something that you need to really work a lot on. Um, you know, probably the best way to work on it is get someone to feed you with multi-ball, with backspin, just get them to push the ball along to you and just practice that forehand topspin against backspin stroke. Hugely, hugely important. So then you're talking about flicking. So flicking is an option when the ball's short. So to be able to either do the short push or the flick, Okay, are options that then you need to develop as well. Um, for me, um, I used to always try to push the ball when it was short because then it converted to a push or a backspin ball back to me that I used to enjoy or I liked that backspin ball to be able to top spin off. And that suited my game. If you're more of an open game player, so you like the ball coming long and fast rather than off backspin, then maybe the flick becomes more important because by flicking, you're putting a little bit of topspin on the ball. They're not going to play a backspin ball at you. They're going to play a block or a, or a counter topspin type shot at you. So if that's the type of ball that you like coming to you, then developing your flick is important as well. So 
yeah, so just different different stages, different game plans, I suppose, between choosing between the, the push or the flick off the short ball as well. Great. That's that's good information, and it's good to see you thinking about these things, Dakota. Um, definitely going to help your game thinking about it. And, um, yeah, keep working. As Alice said, you know, that backspin, uh, playing a topspin off that backspin ball is really going to help you. So if you just keep working on that, it does take time. I remember it took me a long time to, to get that um, right. But, uh, yeah, keep working on it, and it will make a huge difference to your game once you can really master that. All right, Bogdan has asked Alloys, what happens if the ball hits the handle of your bat? Yeah, so um, it's, it's quite legal so that the handle is still part of, uh, part of the bat or the racket. So if, you, if you're playing and the ball hits your, your handle like that, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't see it hit there very often. But if it hits there, it's completely fine and it's still considered um, to be in. So even if it hits there or it hits there sometimes, so, um, yeah, it's still considered to be a, a good shot. Um, so, um, yeah, the handle is still part of the bat. Um, in fact, I might just elaborate a little bit. So if even if the ball hits your hand here and goes back on, that's still part of your, your bat. So right up to your wrist there, okay, is considered part of your bat. So, um, yeah, so anything there, the ball goes back on, good shot. Excellent. Thanks for the question, Bogdan. All right, next up, Matthias has asked a question, Alice. He says, I have some back pain, so I was not sure whether I can play at all. I started slow and tried to avoid any abrupt motions and had no pain while playing. And when I did this, I noticed that my counter hits and top spins were very consistent and as fast. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting, Matthias. Um, so Matthias is uh, living in China and playing uh, playing over there. Um, so so this this pain situation. So firstly, I mean, you have to be really really careful if you are playing with pain. Um, then you know you need to be really mindful of that. You know you probably just need to go and see. I mean, if there's pain and you're playing, you just need to go and see someone, uh, someone professional. But the interesting part with Matthias's um, situation was um, he didn't feel pain while he was playing and he found that his game was as good if not better. Um, so you know there's a few there's a few um, interesting things happening there I think. So one is um, so Matthias noticed that he was a little bit more still when he was playing. So perhaps keeping the head still, keeping the body still, not throwing yourself around too much when you play. Um, and that can be beneficial for you. So um, we often talk about, you know, the stability and the balance when you're playing. And having that sort of pain probably just emphasises it to you. So every time you do that, if, you, if you're getting a pain, then you quickly stop it. Um, so that's that's one really interesting point, and and something that all of us can learn something from. That you know sometimes more movement isn't better. In fact, a lot of the time more is not better when, when it comes to um, comes to movement. So it's more about your balance and being able to keep your head steady and being able to to play your stroke your strokes consistently. Another psychological thing I think that does happen in that situation, and we often see 
this, not often, but we do see it um, uh, in matches, is that sometimes when a person is injured, they can still play quite well. Um, you know, one, maybe, maybe you focus a little bit better um, because you do have the injury. Uh, maybe it's because, you know, as we talked about, it's less movement. But I think one other critical thing is that when you um, have that uh, injury, you almost let go of the fear of losing um, points and matches. And so then you start to play a little bit freer as well. Um, so, yeah, some, a few interesting things that happen um, to the injured player, um, yeah, both in training and in a match situation. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting to, to see it happen um, in in matches sometimes. And yeah, you know, sometimes you do see the injured player um, ends up winning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, some good points you raise there, Alois. Yeah. So I think it, you know what I take away from that is you should work on your sports psychology because yeah, that fear of losing can hold you back. So if you can really work on being focused just on the here and now and playing the points, that will help you. And the other thing is, yeah, just simplifying your game and just only doing the movements that are necessary for the stroke. And I guess if you look at all the top players, they always look so smooth and so fluid and they hit the ball so hard, yet they look relaxed. So, yeah, that's a big takeaway from what you've just discussed there for me, Alois. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, there's some yeah, really interesting things come out of that, uh, Matthias. Yes, thank you for the question, Matthias. All right, so everybody, if you want to improve your game, go to pingskills.com and you can try out our free premium membership. Oh, no, sorry, our free videos. There's lots of free videos there. Sign up for our free newsletter. But if you want to go a step further, try out our premium membership. We've got different options. We've got a monthly, a quarterly, and yearly option there. And... As part of that, you get access to serving secrets, training secrets, uh, receiving secrets, all great courses to help you improve your game. Plus, we give you a 52-week training plan, which gives you each week something to focus on, consistency or serving or you know tournament preparation towards the end. So it's a really good course. Um, you can sign up just for a month if you want to try it. and um, It's an ongoing subscription, but you can cancel at any time. Give it a try. We really think it will help you improve your game. That's at pingskills.com. All right, let's get on to a few extra questions, Alois. We've got one from Victor who says, I have a problem. He says, my weak shot is my backhand, and the problem is that everybody knows it's my weak side, so I often miss it, and they just uh, pointed out to me that I've got a weak backhand. What can I do? Uh, Victor, you are lucky. Um, so the fact that the other players know that your backhand's weak and they're targeting it, okay, will force you to get a better backhand. So um, it, it's great that you've got people to play with. It's great that you um, are able to get a lot of practice on the backhand, and it just, it's going to get better. So you need to firstly just just keep focusing on. Um, your backhand stroke during training. You know, keep practicing the technique. Keep practicing trying to get that that stroke better, um, and it will get better. And the fact that they're targeting it during games, it's only going to help you. So you go and thank them. Thank them for targeting your backhand and picking on it. Um, so yeah, so just you know, work on that backhand side in training. Just keep going. It'll get better. It'll get better. Very good. Um, yeah, and. Uh... 
any particular ways to work on it? I guess just playing the stroke more and more, incorporating it in some drills, perhaps. Yeah. So, so both. Yeah, as you say, Jeff. So just doing the stroke itself, so the backhand in isolation, but then incorporating it into drills so that you're you're switching from your forehand into your backhand side and um, those sort of things um, will really help to develop um, the overall um, backhand stroke. Great. All right. Uh, well, at least you got something to work on, Victor. Um, get out there and keep practicing. All right. Now, David's asked a question, Alois. David says, I'm getting a new bat. It's very powerful and it's got a lot of spin. Are there any ways to get used to it and any specific drills to help me get used to it? Yeah, so I think that the, the critical thing when you get a new bat is to not go um, at 100 miles an hour uh, to start off with. Just take, you know, um, a lot of time, you know, a day or two or one or two training sessions of just controlling the ball, just hitting the ball um, slowly, you know, try to get 100 balls on, 200 balls on, you know, 1,000 balls on, um, just so that you're um, starting to register what's happening or the amount of speed that you need and the and the and the feel of the of the new bat, especially when it when you say that it's a bit faster. So, um, so a lot of consistency training um, first up. You know, you can do again just do backhand to backhand, forehand to forehand. Do um, a lot of um, drills, but all the drills that you do, just do them with with a focus of consistency in mind. So yeah, keep keep that in mind, especially, especially the first session or two. Um, and then as you start to feel more comfortable, then you can start to speed up and do different things. Um, the other thing that, you, that that's really important is to practice your pushing or your touch. So just uh, being able to control the ball uh, with a push, and then that will progress on being able to um, return serves a little bit better as well. So take, take it slowly to start with. Consistency is the key. Great advice. Hopefully that helps you out, David, and good luck with your new bat. All right, and lastly, Alois Victor has asked another question, and he said, have you ever had a rival that was really hard for you to beat? Oh, yeah, many, many, many along the way, you know. So I can think of right through uh, my playing days of, you know, different people that at different times were were players that I was really trying to target and trying to trying to uh, overcome. So, yeah, I, th I think that's really healthy, you know. Um, someone that you're aiming to, to try and beat or someone that you're really competitive with um, is great because it just keeps keeps you driving forward and trying to, um, trying to get, uh, get your game better. Excellent. All right. Well, everybody, that wraps up episode 105. Thanks for all your questions. Thanks for watching. Make sure you go to pingskills.com and leave a comment on the show. We want to know um, your answer to the Ping Skills question of the day and what you think of the new player of the segment week, uh, player of the player of the week segment. I need to get that right. Um, yeah, so we're always looking for some feedback. So just leave some comments and let us know your thoughts. Thanks everyone for watching and thank you, Alois, as always. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. And uh, I will be spending a bit of time watching the Spanish Open this weekend on ITTV. So the Spanish Open on, finishing on Sunday. So that's what I'll be doing with a bit of my weekend. Um, Great. Jeff, yeah, Jeff, you need to get some sleep.
I do indeed, yes. So yeah, um, yeah, watch it on ITV, everybody. And um, oh, one other thing, Alois, I am going camping this weekend, so I'll be away Monday. So we won't have a show Monday, but we will be back Tuesday, bigger and better than ever. You so betcha. have a great weekend. Watch lots of table tennis and play lots of table tennis. All right. Have a great weekend. Long weekend for you, Jeffrey. Have a great long weekend. Thank you. See you, everybody. Bye.